In improvisational theater, there is an adage that says, make your partner look good. In leadership and business relationships, this means you can make personal interactions a win-win situation for both you and your colleagues. Welcome to Partner Up with Amy Carroll, speaking with guests and listeners like you. Amy uses her wisdom and wit, leading you along the road to success. Now, here is your host, Amy Carroll. Welcome, everyone, to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. As a communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, I'm delighted to be your host and excited to bring you insights and ideas to help you solve your communication conundrums. This is the 12th episode of my show, Partner Up with Amy Carroll. If you want to find out more about me or what the show is about, feel free to listen to previous episodes on my website, carolcoaching.com or the voiceamerica.com business channel, and be sure to download the app. Now, if you missed last week's show, I interviewed my fellow improviser, school teacher, and self-professed amateur psychologist, Christy McAvoy. We shared stories and discussed the concepts of the law of reciprocity. What you give is what you get, for better or for worse. And we also talked a bit about how to make the law of reciprocity work for you. Now, that was just a bonus part because what we really dove into was Christy walked us through this three-step life philosophy based on the stories we tell ourselves, which he uses to create the life he wants. And during our talk, I shared a story that I had made up about myself a few years ago, and we discussed how this story has served me over the years to help me to be more brave and more bold. So be sure to check out that episode from November 13th. Yes. On today's show, I decided to focus on communicating within the family, partly because the holidays are coming up and we may be finding ourselves interacting more frequently with our families virtually or face-to-face. And partly because even though I'm on the business channel here at Voice America, I'm a firm believer that how we show up, behave, and interact with the ones we love reflects directly on the way we show up, behave, and interact in our work environment. Before I go further, let me take a few minutes to explain this communication model I'm going to to be referring to. The Predator-Prey Partner Model was developed by my sister, Pat. You can find out more about her at her web on her website, patkirklandleadership.com. Or go ahead and listen to my second episode when I interviewed Pat on the show. Now, in this model, those three archetypes, the predator, the prey, the partner. Now, most of the time when all is well, we're able to behave as partners. The problem is under pressure, stress, perceived threat, crisis, COVID, or just if we're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, we're likely to slip into either the conflict-seeking predator who shows too much respect for themselves, leaving the others feeling intimidated or disrespected, or the complete opposite, conflict-avoiding prey. And the prey will demonstrate too much respect for others, not enough for themselves. And this can damage their credibility. Worse yet, it can trigger a predator reaction from even the nicest people. Mm-hmm. That's the bad news. The third archetype of partner holds high respect for themselves and for the other simultaneously, regardless 
of the situation or the positional power. Now, the what else do I want to tell you about that? One of the reasons why the partner is magical is because when I'm being a partner with a predator, the predator feels the high level of respect I'm holding for myself, which increases the value of the respect I'm showing for them. And they're not motivated to continue behaving as a predator because they want to keep that respect coming. So they're likely to recalibrate into partner. When I'm being a partner with a prey, the prey is feeling safe and respected and likely to recalibrate as a partner. All of this is getting communicated through body language, voice, and words, which is rather amazing. And at the same time, it's exciting because it means that we have enormous ability to impact every exchange we have. So now that you have this piece of background, it'll make more sense when I refer to the model a bit later. Remember, I was talking about about my sister, Pat, earlier. Well, for more than 20 years now, Pat and I have been promoting the power of partner around the globe. I actually want to say promoting the power of partner around the planet, though I was thinking maybe that was just too many alliterations. <laughs> predator, pay partner around the power of partner and around the, no, yeah, it's too much. <laughs> so, and I'm still astonished how applicable the model is regardless of the culture or the environment. Naturally, our passion for this model meant that our family members were bound to receive unsolicited assessments of their partner behaviors or lack thereof. Needless to say, this was not always well received. The good news is I've learned many things over the years and I've even retained some of these great things. One of those wise nuggets being the first rule of the anti-fight club is ask permission before giving your opinion. I remember there was this one Halloween weekend. It was probably, I don't know, 2012, 2013. While visiting our parents in the delightful town of Ashland, Oregon, when I, dressed as Dorothy and Pat, dressed as a very sexy witch, decided it was time to do an intervention with our parents, my mom dressed as the scarecrow and my father as an adorable munchkin. Unfortunately, we had not yet learned the anti-fight club rule to ask permission first. <laughs> Luckily, our parents were already 85 and 87 years old and couldn't easily outrun us, even with my ruby reds on. And I, I believe it was that weekend that my mother first discovered, under pressure, how she can become a predator. Now, I'm going to play for you an audio clip of an interview I did with my mom about five years ago when she was, I think, 88. Now she is a Sprite 93-year-old. Listen in as she describes the circumstances which led her to go predator and discover the in, and, and how she discovered that the impact of going predator, as well as a few concrete suggestions she offers for interrupting this pattern. I have with me today a very, very special guest, my mother, Claire Carroll. And mom, thank you for coming to talk to me today. Well, Amy, I am so proud of you communicating being a partner as opposed to a predatory prey. Thanks. I salute that, and it's 
humbling to tell my story, but if it's going to help someone, or I hope many someones, especially mothers, I'll, I'll continue. Okay. So a little background. Uh, we grew up on the East Coast, and there are seven kids in my family. So my parents had their hands full. And, Mom, you say that it's been about three years now that you discovered that under pressure you would go predator. Yes. Is that about right? That's true. Okay, so tell me, what would you like to share today? I wanted to have a large family. I thought I wanted to have 10 children. Oh, boy. I was married at 25, so I wasn't 17 or 15 years of age starting (laughs) a family. But I didn't realize I was naive. This goes back to 1952, huh? Yeah. After seven, I said, I can't do any more. I'm fatigued. However, over those years, Mm -hmm. I yelled when anything went wrong. Now, you can appreciate how many things can go wrong. (laughs) Especially in a three-story house. Uh Uh-huh. And you're trying to find someone <laughs> who might to be, be hiding. responsible <laughs> to, to, to pick up, to wash, to do blah, 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 right. blah, blah. So I yelled, and it was the person that didn't get out of the room fast enough that got stuck with all the wall of it. Even if they were the innocent bystander. Even if they were the innocent bystander. Mm. I was predator. Mm-hmm. Now, late in life, or really around the time, well, I've heard my daughters talk about predator-prey partner. I never in the whole time they were talking saw myself as a predator. Wow. How, how, how thick can you be? Well, thick or it's just human nature to be lacking in awareness of ourselves. Well, I certainly lacked awareness. I, I thought I was a nice I even thought I was sweet. <laughs> and you are. <laughs> So there's nothing I can do to change the past. All I can do is be a conduit to say, don't yell. Don't yell. The damage done at yelling at our children, mm-hmm. whether they're very young or teenagers, is so damaging, and especially if they're sensitive. Mm-hmm. I myself was sensitive as a child growing up. Mm-hmm. I was a people pleaser and I can, as I look back, I can see where one of the children was a people pleaser to keep peace in the house. And the, uh, some were predators and some mm-hmm. were prey. But I didn't have the awareness to apply and to pause and to step out of the situation instead of yelling and screaming. So, Mom, you mentioned some important things. I want to highlight them some more. Because since, like, if we rewind the last three years and you had this aha, this moment of discovery, okay, yes, under pressure, I can be a predator. And, you know, thanks to Pat, your oldest, who's a recovering prey, she developed this model that we have today that we're able to share with other people and and look to help reflect on our own behavior. So in these three years, reflecting on your behavior as a predator, what have you been doing differently? So first there's this awareness piece, which, like you described, has been a a slap in the face, really hard to accept. And now you're at a place where it seems like you, you hear it, you accept it, and you've been working on that. So talk more about this pause thing. I recognize, in looking back and trying to get a handle on this, that I reacted. Uh huh. I 
I reacted to everything. New challenges, job losses, any minuscule things that happened in the house, spilt milk, whatever it may be. I reacted. And if I had paused, the outcome could have been so much different. It would have been a growing experience. Each one of the children that this happened to, they would have a negative experience as if they were, and they were ashamed or they were guilty. Mm-hmm. That could have been avoided. Mm-hmm. That could have been avoided. Though you have been working actively. I've seen it. I've been witness to it. I want to hear about that. What are some examples of things that you're doing differently now, today, at 88 years old, after only discovering this for the last three years? How are you shifting and at times successfully avoiding being predator, repeating that pattern? I'm taking more quiet time. I'm being with myself more. Uh-huh. I'm accepting more. For instance, I gave up driving because uh, I had a pinched nerve in my back and I got weakness in my right arm and I couldn't sh- do, turn on the ignition or shift. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I'm giving up driving. Wow. That's another I'll share, is that when you give it up yourself, it's much easier than when you're told to give it up. <laughs> because That's I would, a good one. <laughs> I would not have responded well. Mm-hmm. So in giving it up, uh, I, there was something going on in my body, and I uh, was having a difficult time walking, even though I went to the Y every day. The therapist said, you have to use the big muscles. Well, I have to use the big muscles in my brain. <laughs> So I'm getting a lot of information, guys, that there are muscles we have to use that I haven't used that were dormant. You'd almost think they weren't there. And I'm being much more reflective. Mm -hmm. And most recently, I had an invitation to go to a meditation session every Monday night. Mm. And I'm going to opt for that. Now, I'm not going to say I can commit to every Monday night for the rest of my days, but I'm going to give it my best shot. Mm -hmm. Just to sit quietly, process, become more and more aware so that I don't react. Mm -hmm. So I don't react and do any damage. It's powerful to be a partner. Wow. Well, Mom, thank you. Powerful to be a partner. Thank you for that. And what I really hear is the importance of the effort of pausing, not just in the moment when you're reacting, though taking time out and having some meditation is a way to be more patient when the moment strikes. Having worked for years in the field of communication, one thing's clear for me. For many of us, walking and talking partner in our close family and or intimate relationships can be far more challenging than in our professional lives, especially when it comes to parenting young children. Keep in mind that we show up as partners most of the time. Unfortunately, the triggers that may cause us to slip into predator or prey are plentiful. Remember some of those triggers I mentioned earlier, feeling under stress, pressure, or being hangry? That hungry-angry combo? Ooh, yeah, not pretty. Some landmines we take, well, they're going to take us completely by surprise. I mean, it could be maybe the internet's slow as molasses, even with that cable we just bought. Or another landmine we could predict, 
Because we all know a few hours without food or snacks can reduce most human beings to a puddle of tears, no matter what our age. And I, I love how my mom said, it's powerful to be partner. So let's summarize my mom's strategies. Too often, um, to, oh no, rather to offer, what I want to do is offer you a game plan for these situations. Okay, so it's three steps. Step one is the pregame phase. And this is what we want to ideally do outside of high stress moments. Plan quiet time. And this is meant to help us be more patient when the moment of stress will strike. People do this in different ways. Some people do breathing exercises. Some people do meditation. Others do painting, gardening, walking. These are just some examples to take this quiet time. Essentially, the goal is to slow down and get present. This is your training. Make choices in your life where you can. Remember what my mom said? Uh, that she proactively gave up driving. Because when you give it up yourself, you respond better than when you're told to do so. You know, so even at the age of whenever she did that, I think maybe 87, maybe just around before the interview, she, she knew that it, it, it would be hard for her, that her ego could get triggered if maybe her doctor told her she had to give up driving. And for me, this is uh, an example of responding with grace, graciously giving it up before we have to. Step two is game time. When you're actually on the field in that high stress moment, focus on what is of highest importance. That is handling the situation without a predator prey breakdown. So what to do? Breathe and pause in order to avoid reacting. I had a client a couple of months ago, I was giving a training and she said, oh, Amy, I heard that you should never have a difficult or delicate conversation on an empty stomach. So now she has learned to only have these important conversations after her partner and she have finished eating. And she has, she told me, oh, it works. It definitely works. We have much less conflicts. So, I mean, how simple, how obvious that is. And yet sometimes we don't always think to do that. So I think that's brilliant. All right, step three, post-game analysis. When you do manage to stay partner under pressure, be sure to celebrate it and identify what contributed to your success so you can repeat this in the future. And those times when you don't achieve staying partner, be kind to yourself. Don't beat yourself up for getting it wrong. It takes time and a gentle approach to change these behaviors. In fact, the kinder you are with yourself when you fail, the more rapidly you will see improvement. And after some time passes, maybe uh, perhaps after a glass of wine, you want to analyze the event through the lens of the partner model. Ask yourself, how would I do that differently as a partner? Now, although you won't be able to repair what's already happened, simply analyzing it in which and see, what this does is you're, it's a form of visualization. That's what 
and analyzing an ideal outcome is. And it's another way of building partner muscles. This will increase your chances of being more successful the next time you're taken by surprise. Now, we're going to take a short break here. And when we come back, I'm going to share with you another technique you can add to the pausing that's going to help support you when you're in those moments of stress. You're listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Stay tuned. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you have colleagues, family members, or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes? Do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected, mistreated, or annoyed by others? As a no-nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results, and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make Your Partner Look Good is a philosophy from improvisational theater, as well as Amy's favorite mantra. For the last 20 years, she has been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers. With concrete behavior changes in voice, body language, words, and attitude, Amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more out of what you want more often with less hassle. Visit carolcoaching.com today. That's C-A-R-R-O-L-L coaching.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for the keywords voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to facebook.com forward slash voice America or search for voice America. You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. We want participation from you. Send an email with questions or comments or to share your own interpersonal communication dilemmas to amy at carolcoaching.com. That's amy at carolcoaching.com. Now, back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here again is Amy. Hi, this is Amy Carroll, and we're back now, we're talking about how to manage yourself in challenging situations with family members and over the holidays. Now, what I talked about before the break was this strategy that my mom offered during her, the interview that we played. And there's three steps, the pregame, which is how to prepare beforehand, the game time, how to handle yourself in the high stress moment. And then step three is analyze after the fact what, where you failed, where you were successful so that you can learn from that. So what my mom says in those tough moments, you want to pause because that pausing will create space and help you to respond versus react. Well, I have an additional suggestion that works particularly well during difficult 
delicate or heated conversations. It's three magic words. And these three magic words will help build a strong foundation in caring relationships. I know, I know you're probably thinking, I love you, right? Well, for sure. Those are three really good words, though I'm talking about three different words here. And in my opinion, these three other words are more powerful than you can imagine, even though they seem, they're going to seem somewhat trivial, yet they hold enormous weight when it comes to reducing and even avoiding conflict with just about anyone. Here they are. You ready? I want you to imagine the next time tensions run high and you're starting to feel frustrated. You start to see red, whether you're talking with a colleague, your partner, your loved one. I want you to force yourself to breathe. In a calm voice, you say to them, tell me more. Then you listen, listen, and listen some more. You're going to be amazed how quickly things calm down. Because when you say, tell me more, it's keeping your mouth shut. So you're less likely to say snarky, obnoxious, defensive, aggressive comments. And it's saying to the person speaking, I care, I'm interested. What you have to say is important. So really, uh, I would encourage you to test it out. The next time you're talking to someone, maybe, maybe you're not upset. Maybe they are. And just... Test it out then. Tell me more. That won't, shouldn't be too hard. And then obviously, if you're upset and you're not trusting what's going to come out of your mouth, turn it back around, say to them, tell me more. Now, I'm going to play for you a short interview I did with Faye, a workshop participant I met a few years ago in Canada. Listen up and see what we talk about. I've got Faye Matt here with me. Faye is the CEO of the Special Olympics of Saskatchewan. And Faye and I met last November in Saskatoon. And I remember the day I arrived, winter apparently showed up that day. And Faye, it's great to, to have you join us. I would love for you to share one of your partner success stories. That's what happened. Thank you, Amy. It was very revolutionary for me to hear some of the practices that you shared and I've brought them both to my work life as well as my home life uh-huh. and it really resonated with me that any disputes I had with my husband at home for example yeah a married couple ever would dispute <laughs> very much had to do with um, prey and partner mode. And so let me ask you, when you, before going to the workshop on the prey-to-prey partner, did you see these dynamics in your relationship between you and your husband? No, I just saw him as bullheaded. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's weird. Okay, so that's what you meant by revolutionary, is that this just put a light bulb on things. Yeah, it, it showed me that, and I shouldn't, I'm by no means throw my husband under the bus here. It was simply, um, we weren't using the proper mechanism to communicate yeah. when we were both in predator mode. Right. And you described that through some of your stories, and it made perfect sense, whether it be between a husband and wife or two colleagues, that 
if it gets heated, then no communication happens. Yeah. And so by moving myself into partner mode, that's where communication happened and was received on both sides. Mm -hmm. Or maybe even more accurately is it moved from maybe ineffective, painful communication to much more conducive, cooperative communication. Absolutely. Cool. And another thing I think that we can all learn from using some of these mechanisms is it reduces resentments because when communication isn't going well and it's taking longer, right? I feel like that's where folks can build resentments that they hold longer. If, if no communication has been resolved, each party leaves and we're building resentment. Yet if it's open in the moment, even if it's not resolved, you leave thinking, how can I bring to the solution rather than darn that other person? Yeah, plotting their demise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> well, cool. Well, Faith, thanks for taking the time to share that story. I'm thrilled to hear that it's paying off in the most important relationship in your life. And uh, I look forward to hearing more success stories in the future. Cheers, Amy. Thank you. Now, what I found interesting from that interview with Faye, she talks about the predator-prey partner model being revolutionary concepts for her. Even though it's simple and straightforward, before Faith, or Faye rather, hadn't realized she and her husband were both in predator mode. It gave her a frame to view their interactions. And here's the thing, her reaction is not uncommon. I can tell you there are plenty of people who I meet and I, you know, say, oh, what do you do, Amy? And I tell them and I talk about this model my sister developed and and I explain it's, you know, and under pressure, people do this or this. And then I say, so under pressure, do you think you, oh, oh, and here's the other thing. When I've met this person, for whatever reason, it's really obvious to me that they could easily show up as a predator or they're actually showing up as a predator in that moment. And so I've already, you know, and because this whole thing is a perception game, you know, that's the challenge is that how we think we're being perceived and how we're actually being perceived are different. And I ask them, do you think you're more predator or more prey under pressure? And even though they're showing up as predator, they'll say, oh yes, I'm so prey. And I've stopped falling off my chair because so many people have this gap in self-awareness and myself included. So that's um, one of the gifts I offer people is to be able to close that awareness. And that's the other reason. um, Another thing I do in my trainings, I use video camera and audio because then, you know, that doesn't lie. And then the person is able to see and hear how they're being perceived. Oh God, no wonder I'm showing, I'm, you know, people are being offended. Uh, It's not my intention to sound aggressive or rude, though that's what they're hearing and seeing. And then Faye was talking about when things get heated, that communication breaks down and resentments increase. By moving herself into partner mode, Faye reported communication becoming more effective on both sides. Resentments subside 
and the desire to find solutions increases. Now, I want to talk a bit about resentments. Um, This is, uh, let's see, this was, uh, just in general for me, I've learned over the years um, to use the feeling of resentment as a sort of a compass to gauge and to guide my response in situations. So here's an example. I was once in a conversation with an acquaintance about money. Let's call this guy Jeff. And Jeff owed me some money. So when I asked about it, I was really surprised when he spoke to me in a really angry tone. He said, well, I did a bunch of favors for you that are worth at least that much money. And I immediately felt defensive and I could feel that resentment building inside me though I I didn't quite know why I was feeling resentful. So I had to pause and think about it. And it was true. Jeff had done repair work in my apartment, though we hadn't discussed me paying him for the work he had done. And so it took me a couple days to realize where the anger and the resentment was coming from. I was clear that I was unwilling to give in to this pressure to forgo the money he owed me. So I stuck to my request that he pay me. And what's interesting, a few weeks after Jeff paid me back, I thought about some more and I could see from his perspective that if we had agreed, or not even from his perspective so much that just I could see that if we had agreed on this beforehand, I would have been happily happy to pay him for this work. As a result of this insight, I no longer felt I was in integrity getting because I was feeling I was getting this labor for free now. Uh, so even though it, perhaps he didn't, um, handle it well, or I, maybe also I didn't handle it. I could have clarified, hey, you're doing all this, you know, these favors for me, repairs in my apartment. Um, would you do, are you expecting payment? I could have been bold and asked that question. Or Jeff could have said, hey, you know, it'd be great if we agree on some hourly fee for this work I'm doing. That didn't happen. That would have been the ideal world. Oh, well, tant pis, too bad. So um, I accepted that I wanted to, you know, I felt was I was out of integrity. I wanted to be back in integrity. So what I did was I calculated the hours he had done, the work he had done for me, and multiplied it by the going rate for a handyman, and I happily sent him the money. I think part of the reason I was able to do this was that I first listened to my resentment compass, and I didn't give in to the pressure. All right, so I want to pause here. We're going to go to another break. And when I come back, we're going to, uh, I'm going to be reading you a, a story uh, about an exchange between my parents. So come back and join me shortly. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you have colleagues, family members, or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes? Do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected, mistreated, or annoyed by others? As a no-nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results, and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. 
Make Your Partner Look Good is a philosophy from improvisational theater, as well as Amy's favorite mantra. For the last 20 years, she has been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers. With concrete behavior changes in voice, body language, words, and attitude, Amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more out of what you want more often with less hassle. Visit carolcoaching.com today. That's C-A-R-R-O-L-L coaching.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. We want participation from you. Send an email with questions or comments or to share your own interpersonal communication dilemmas to amy at carolcoaching.com. That's amy at carolcoaching.com. Now, back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here again is Amy. Welcome back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. So today I've been talking about how we can get easily triggered by people in our lives, mostly in our friendships, our personal relationships, the people we're legally bound to, and some ways to help us navigate those situations, especially as the holidays are upon us. And you know, for the first time ever, we're dealing with a very unique situation of um, not being able to be with our families our friends, uh, in order to um, be a good global citizen, I guess, is a way of saying it, and and, uh, and making sure that we can uh, keep each other safe. And so we're resorted to, we're res- we've resorted to now having so much of our communication virtual. Um, and I want to share in a little while um, some ways that you can connect more virtually. And before I do that, I want to read a story for you. And this comes from the book that I wrote, The Ego Tango. This is a story that, uh, well, I'll just read it from the beginning with the the insert, what I say. (laughs) The title is The Key to Household Harmony. This book, this story rather, is also known as The Mom and Dad Story. Now, my amazing and supportive parents, Bud and Claire, have been happily married for over 60 years. And like all couples, they have great moments as well as occasional not-so-pretty moments. And uh, my father actually passed away a number of years ago. So uh, I know that he has given me his blessing with story and my mother as well. So here's an example of an exchange that um, a typical scenario between my mom and dad. Bud is in the kitchen. Claire is in the living room. Bud says, Claire, where are the car keys? In an annoyed, condescending tone. The unspoken word idiot hanging at the end of the sentence is there. Claire can hear it. Everyone else can hear it. And Claire's ego is immediately triggered. 
She retorts back, I don't know, bud. You had them last. ka <laughs> Claire is pleased because she turned it back on him. In fact, she even won up Bud by giving concrete evidence that of his apparent lack of intelligence. Unfortunately, the evening they will now have will not likely be a Norman Rockwell scene. No, indeed. The good news is that when the three of their seven children are full-time communication coaches, imagine the same interaction after Claire has received a little bit of free coaching. And dad says, Bud says the same thing, that same condescending, sarcastic tone of voice, Claire, where are the car keys? Before she reacts to this unspoken message, Claire remembers something one of her very clever children has told her. She pauses. She takes a deep breath. And she responds in a calm, confident, gentle tone. I don't know, bud. Let me come help you look for them. Right? (laughs) She doesn't say the right part. I just say, like, right, like, isn't, you know, you hear that phrase and it's just so elegant. Let me say it again. I don't know, bud. Let me come help you look for them. And notice how it's delivered with that soft, gentle tone. Now, Bud is smart. And he knows that if he keeps using such a nasty tone, he's going to start to look stupid. Because essentially, he would be fighting alone. He responds in a more positive, respectful way. "Uh, No problem. I'll keep looking. Thanks. Because Claire chooses a different response, Bud's behavior shifts positively. We call this the frame game. As we communicate with each other, human beings construct different frames. And now a frame, frames are, they're like uh, the mood, the tone, the environment, the ambiance of an interaction, of an exchange. The frames can be positive, friendly, playful, respectful, energizing, or they can be negative, tense, angry, disrespectful, bored. We set frames through our body language, voice, and words. Unconsciously, we're constantly setting frames and being invited into other people's frames. When we're not aware of another person's negative frame, we can get caught in it like a trap. Mm-hmm. In the first interaction between my parents, dad set up the blame game frame. Since mom wasn't aware of it, she reacted defensively. I mean, how many times have we gotten caught up in the blame game frame? Either, and we react either because we're feeling guilty and defensive because we know we were responsible or we're, fa- we're reacting defensively and indignant because we know we're innocent. And now what I said was since mom wasn't aware, she reacted defensively, resulting in negative consequences for both of them. In the second interaction, my mom was conscious of the negative frame and aware that she had the opportunity to create a more positive frame. 
she could, couldn't force my dad into the new frame. Though by making it so appealing, which she did that by holding respect for herself and for the other, also sort of ignoring the elephant in the room where he's accusing her of something. She put that to the side. So that expression, you got to pick your battles. Mm -hmm. That's a great example. And so by making this frame so appealing, he chose to step in. The result was an enjoyable evening for both of them and their visiting children. It's important to remember that you can choose whether or not to step into another person's frame. First, though, you have to be conscious of the frame. This is raising your self-awareness. A lot of times if the frame's positive, eh, we we just enter into it, we don't think about it, we enjoy ourselves. It's really when the frame is negative where we feel our ego is getting triggered, we feel that that reaction, that's where we want to be conscious and pay attention so that we don't, it doesn't spiral negatively. So when that happens, it's negative. You want to put your ego to the side if you've been triggered and then use different behaviors. Third, change the frame to make a more positive one and watch the results. So there is, if you want to hear that story again, I actually recorded it several years ago and you can find it on my website, Amy, what is my website? Carolcoaching.com, two R's, two L's. And uh, you can play the video there under the video section. All right, we're going to go to take another break now. And when we come back, as I promised earlier, we're going to be talking about um, the virtual world and how we can best connect over the holiday season. You're listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Be back shortly. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Do you have colleagues, family members, or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes? Do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected, mistreated, or annoyed by others? As a no-nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results, and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make Your Partner Look Good is a philosophy from improvisational theater, as well as Amy's favorite mantra. For the last 20 years, she has been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers. With concrete behavior changes in voice, body language, words, and attitude, Amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more out of what you want more often with less hassle. Visit carolcoaching.com today. That's C-A-R-R-O-L-L coaching.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. We want participation from you. 
send an email with questions or comments or to share your own interpersonal communication dilemmas to amy at carolcoaching.com. That's amy at carolcoaching.com. Now, back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here again is Amy. Welcome back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. All right, so in this last segment of the show, I want to now share with you, this is a a brainstorming I did with a friend of mine. And we were looking at how to connect with family, friends virtually. Now, perhaps you'll find something on this list. I think I have five different suggestions that you can use during this holiday season. Also, if you have ideas that are not on this list that have worked for you, be sure to email me with them because I'd love to pass that on to my listeners. Okay, first one, consider having a virtual game. Recently, I was invited to join a murder mystery for my niece's birthday. The one we chose just happened to be set in, of all places, the Swiss Alps, where I live. It was well-designed, fairly easy to organize and execute with minimal preparation from the part of the attendees. Everyone got to play a different character, and some went as far as dressing and speaking the part. It was hilarious. The uh, website where you can find that particular one is redherringgames.com. Second suggestion I have comes from my own personal experience. Pretty much since last March, my family and I have been getting together uh, to have birthday celebrations on Zoom. And I bet there's a lot of other people out there doing the same thing. And now sometimes the, the birthday parties have had a theme based around the birthday boy or birthday girl in question. Themes can include their favorite holidays, pastimes, passions. Alternatively, you could ask everyone to wear a hat. And the more unusual, the better. I mean, we had people come with ski hats and bike helmets, and um, there was one that had feathers in it, if I remember correctly. Or come with a memorable story to tell about the birthday person. Or bring a quiz question about the birthday boy or girl. And then you can find out who knows them best. And now, these are suggestions. Obviously, it's important to consider the person you're doing this for. Because not everyone likes to be the center of attention. So keep that in mind. Third suggestion I have is how about a no talent talent show? The person who doesn't want to perform can play the MC or the supportive audience. Fourth idea, prepare and enjoy a meal together. Now, you don't have to be the next top chef. Just cooking with others can make the experience much more delightful. I don't know. Uh, you know, I particularly, I do not love preparing food. So just having the virtual company when I'm preparing it makes it more enjoyable. On top of that, I heard that people feel more connected if they're not only eating f- together, if they're eating the same type of food together. So it might be that, you know, you come up with a, a collective recipe to prepare. Fifth suggestion is have, <clears throat> this is not for my family though, <laughs> Others, other maybe, maybe it might be good. Have a sing-along. And if you're not good with a pitch or remembering the words, you can always check out one of the numerous karaoke sites to help you along. 
And then I always thought, you know, it'd be great for the inevitable technology induced delay. You could consider doing singing in the round. <laughs> now, remember this holiday season, if anything, if you're, well, let me say it differently. If you're anything like many of the families I know, I encourage you to put your energy into connecting and having fun and keeping the competitive side in check. Inevitably, stress may kick in and we might misbehave. So here are some tips which will help create wonderful memories. Avoid talking over others. Make sure the introverts among you are being heard, including the kids and the seniors. Be a patient partner with those who are technically challenged. Perhaps connect with them earlier, help them set up. Avoid the eye rolling that inevitably inevitably may happen or the sarcastic comments. And, you know, the good old rule, laugh with each other, not at each other. In my mother's words, it's powerful to be a partner, so be the best partner you can be this holiday season. All right, we're just about out of time here. I, my call for action to listeners, send me your communication conundrums, clashes, challenges, mishaps, and blunders, and successes. You can do that via email or social media, and I'll read them, discuss them on future shows, and make suggestions. My email is amy at carolcoaching.com, and my social media channels are Amy Carol Coaching. Or like I said, you can check out my website, check out those videos I have and other support at carolcoaching.com. That is two R's and two L's. And I want to wish you a very, very joyous and peaceful start to the holiday season. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. You've been listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Happy partnering, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Join Amy for another edition next Friday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, make it a great week. And remember, make your partner look good. Good.